So I'm going to start with a question, something for you to think about, kind of get us into this passage of Scripture. We're looking at Philippians 1, verses 12 through 26 today. And I don't, you know this already, I don't go verse by verse. I'm going to go big idea by big idea. Um, But just to start, what do you love to spend your time on? Uh, What do you like to talk about? What do you spend a lot of money on if you have money to spend, right? Just think about that for a minute. I, if, if you know me, one of the things I really love is biking. Um, and you may not know this, but one of the things I really like to do that I don't get to do very often for a number of reasons is I like to mountain bike. Um, when we visit our friends in Oregon, uh, they live in Hood River, which is right on the uh, kind of the foothills of Mount Hood. It's just beautiful scenery all around, and you can look out one of their windows and you can see the mountain on a clear day but they have amazing downhill mountain biking there called single track right and i like what's called flow it's not really technical it's really smooth it's fast you know you're going around corners or like little jumps you can jump over or go over Um, i have these fond memories of riding down and they they um, they've had many dogs as we've known them and the dogs actually go with them and they're either chasing behind you or they're in front of you. And as you're going over the jumps, the dogs are flying. It's crazy. So I have beautiful pictures. And I have this, I, the memory I have is that it's, it's kind of, it's so, it's exhilarating, it's exciting, and it's frightening at the same time, right? Because it feels a little bit out of control. I mean, these bikes are really technical. They're pretty amazing. But it doesn't take much to, um, to dump the bike or to hurt yourself, which I often discover... With too, much of the dismay of Lori, um, every, it seems like every time, this is her, her belief, is every time I go out and I do this, I get hurt. It's not every time. Most times, maybe, but not every time. Uh, the first time I did it, I broke a finger. That wasn't a big deal. It was just painful. I went a couple times, didn't hurt myself, and then I, I wasn't actually in Oregon. I was actually up in Rhinelander. Uh, riding on one of Matt Peterson's bikes, and I was ascending a hill, and my foot slipped off the pedal. My my the steering wheel turned, and I kind of speared myself on the on the handlebar. That was very painful. Bruised ribs. They were worried that I might have lacerated something. They took X-rays and stuff just to make sure. That was scary for Lori, right? For me to call her up every time I call her on one of those things. She's like, "What did you hurt? Did you? Are you alive? You know." Um, and then the last time, a couple years ago when we were there, I was doing a downhill and I, um, as I was going down quite quickly, I caught a branch that was sticking out from a stump. It was kind of like on the side of a hill and it caught my finger and didn't just bend my finger back. It actually sliced open the finger requiring a number of stitches. So it's little things like that, that... You know, but here's the truth, right? Even though Lori would love that I never, ever do it again, I love biking. I love mountain biking, and I often dream about being able to do it once again. Like, And if you want to talk about it, just talk. Any day, I'd love to talk about downhill. Uh, actually, mostly what I do is road biking, right? And I'd love to talk about bikes. Scott uh, at, always asks me questions, how to fix them, what to buy. Um, but that's not it, right? I, there are other things I love. Uh, I love talking about my children, especially Adele's baking program. I probably told you guys this, but a couple weeks ago she brought home some fresh baked bread and I came into the kitchen to find Jake kind of digging into one and he looked at me and he said, Dad, this is like crack. It's so good. I can't stop eating it. 
which is what I experience because every time she brings home something fresh baked, I usually eat the whole loaf by myself. Even though I don't want to, but I want to encourage her, so I feel like I have to. Um, and then uh, I've talked with you about before, I love uh, part of my job with InterVarsity, the prayer ministry part, I would love to talk about Emmanuel Prayer. Ask me about it, about healing for, for students that are struggling with anxiety or inner brokenness and some of the things that I've seen God do. Um, and, and sometimes just weird, random things. We're talking about this talk yesterday and we're driving by and I'm, and all of a sudden I get distracted by this guy who's kind of in the media. I'm taking a picture of a tree and I'm like, what is this guy doing? And I said it out loud to Lori and she said, he's taking pictures of the mushrooms on the side of the tree. And I, and I said, well, I could tell him you can't eat those. And I start talking about mushrooms and Lori's like, this is totally irrelevant. And I'm like, actually, no, it's not. See, I love mushrooms. Let's talk about mushrooms. What do you love to talk about? What, what are you passionate about? What do you like to spend your time on? And if you have money, spend your money on. Why don't you share around the table really quickly? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, by the way, there is, this is a shelf mushroom grows on the side of a tree. There's only one that I know of that's really worth eating. It's called chicken of the woods. But if you're interested, ask me later. Go ahead. Talk around your table just briefly. It's, it's fun to talk about the, the things that we're passionate about and that we love, right? I know, Flora, you're talking about gardening. No, no. But some, some people love gardening. They love to talk about it, right, Eric? You and Penny are great gardeners. So Penny brought over an amazing meal yesterday. I could talk about Mary's, uh, Penny's cooking, right? Um, there's just a lot of things that people are good at and they like to spend their time on. And, they're, and when you actually, when you engage them on it, they get really excited about it, right? And they want to tell you more. And you can tell. It actually is interesting listening to them because of how passionate they are about it and because of what they know. Right? That, matter, that matters. So, and, and we know all these things. They're not unimportant. These things matter. These are significant um, things. They're significant to us. And I believe they're gifts from God, things he's given to us and ways that he's blessed us. But, but we also know there are things that are more, even more important than these, these kinds of things. So let's, let's do that. Let's kind of jump into the passage we're looking at. It's Ephesians 1, and we're looking at verses 12 through 26. If you have your Bible with you, it's great. Philippians, Philippians sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't know why I have Ephesians there, because we're doing an Ephesians dig-in at the same time at camp. And I'm, these are prepping me. I'm going to be speaking in a week, not this next week, but the week after 
um, at uh, for uh, about 30 students at Green Lake. So when we're going through the book of Philippians together. So Philippians 1, verse 12 through 26. I'm just going to read it. Um, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the progress of the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Now some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering and my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my salvation. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that my speaking with all boldness, um, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. For, for me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet I cannot say which I will choose. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. And since I'm convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that by my presence again with you, you may, your boast might abound in Christ Jesus because of me. Okay. So again, around your tables, what do you notice that Paul is passionate about from this passage? And what are, what's his motivation? As best as you can tell. <laughs> or mushrooms what do you notice that Paul is passionate about from this passage and what is his motivation just share around your table Anyone want to share any insights beyond what the obvious is or even the obvious? Um, I'll just repeat it so it can be heard on Facebook Live. So. Any insights as you were looking at that? I mean, the obvious thing is that if, if I ask Paul if there's something that he liked to talk about, spend his time and money on and share with others, he would say, it's Jesus, right? And the gospel, that's the key. But what do you notice about his motivation or the way he lives it out? Penny, you had a good point. Do you want to share that? It's just a very embodied acceptance of Christ in him. Yeah. Living that. Yeah. So you said he's a very embodied acceptance of Christ in him. He kind of lives it out, he kind of expresses that or shows it to the world. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of being just kind of keeping it to himself, he 
and, and actually selfishly actually goes out at great cost to himself and shares it with others. Yeah, that's something, again, he's really, he's so passionate about, he wants everyone to know, right? And I'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Did you have something to share too? He does, his struggle really is, right? And you see this in here. He, I want to go to heaven, but I also recognize that there's a lot that I can do here. While most of us are struggling with kind of the world and the issues we face around us, right? And although there's some of that for him too, the cost of actually being a, a disciple and proclaiming Christ is quite high, which may be part of the reason why he'd rather be in heaven, you know? It's a very painful existence. Right? He's really suffering for Jesus. Well, let me kind of run through this. First, I'm going to read a summary, and this is an edited version of what the Bible Project uses. I, I don't want to, uh, you know, not use something that's out there that's already so good. So this is, um, this is the Bible Project. So, so here's what they say. In this passage, Paul focuses on the Philippians' obvious concern at the moment, which is his status as a prisoner. Right? They, they'd actually sent Epaphroditus to him with a gift, um, and then they're and they're they care about him. They want to know what happened because Paul actually established the church in Philippi and he's their spiritual father. Right. They they learn from him. He, he disciples them and they follow him and they support him in his work. They're probably the biggest supporter of his work um, uh, of, of kind of proclaiming the gospel and of building the church around the Roman world. So, and he goes on, he says, being in a Roman prison was no picnic. It was a, it was hard on purpose to punish the accused and to try to get them to make a confection. But paradoxically, this has turned out for the good to advance the good news about Jesus. And in advancing the gospel, it's because the Roman guards, the administrators, they all know that Paul's in prison for announcing Jesus as the risen Lord and his imprisonment, um, uh, in, in his imprisonment. And some of them come to faith as well as the prisoners. That was my addition, right? And the church, like the church in Philippi, supports Paul in his work. This courage and response inspired confidence in other Christians then to talk about Jesus as well. We just lost the video. It's gone uh, fuzzy. So, yeah. um, so may, more openly... Uh, Paul's optimistic that he will be released from prison, but it's possible that he could get executed. This isn't necessarily said, but it's implied in the passage, right? And he reflects on it that um, it actually wouldn't be so bad, right? Because for me, Paul says, life is the Messiah, and so dying would be a gain for Paul. His, his life in the present, and this is key, and in, and in the future is defined by the life and love of Jesus for him. And so if he's executed, that means he'll be present with Jesus, which would be far greater for him. And if he's released, well, that would mean that he could keep working to start more Jesus communities, which would be better for other people and for the kingdom of God. Even so, dying for Jesus is not the true sacrifice for Paul. Rather, staying alive to serve others is the true sacrifice. And so that's Paul's way of participating in the story of Jesus, right? kind of embodying Jesus, like Penny said, to suffer in order to love others more than himself so that they too can know Jesus and his love. Um, for Paul, then, the most important thing is that Christ is made known. Um, 
Motivation uh, helps, but if people proclaim Christ out of false motivation, that's okay because others are hearing about Jesus. And suffering too is good if the result uh, is that the gospel is being proclaimed and more people are hearing about Jesus. To live as Christ, that's what really matters. Do you have a point you want to make? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to refer to that, right? Yeah. So this is a different setting. So yes, he in in Acts chapter 16, and we'll, I'll mention that in a little bit. He is put in prison with Silas, but this is later on. He's actually not in prison in Philippi. He's in prison in Rome when he writes this letter, and he really does. He really is. A, uh, he he is about to die. He he. You know that's kind of he knows that that's a possibility, right? So. But this is the big thing, and I think it's it's key in, and it's important to say, we're not going to talk a lot about this. This is actually going to come out more in chapter 3. But Paul Paul's um, motivation for this, what compelled him was love. Love and the hope of heaven, right, above all else. Um, Paul loves Jesus. His life present and future is defined by the life and love of Jesus, right, for him. And in fact, it's that love for God uh, God for him and in him that Paul often refers to, and it's a motivation for his mission, right? So even here in Philippians 1, um, he says, for me, living is Christ, right? And death is gain, right? And that living is Christ means that he's the most important thing in my life, first and foremost. It's that relationship that he has uh, with Jesus. But if you go on, if you look at other passages, Second Corinthians uh, chapter 5 says, for Christ's love compels us. Right, because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again right he's compelled by the love of god and he and he goes on he says you know be reconciled to god right that's the key he's calling people to reconciliation with with the lord and in first thessalonians 2 8 he says we loved you so much we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. This love wasn't Paul's love. It wasn't his in, inherent love. He wasn't, the, he wasn't a loving person, if you recognize him from earlier. If you, if you look at Paul's kind of origin story, the first time we see him, they're throwing Stephen's cloak at his feet. He's responsible for the murder and the martyrdom of Stephen, right? And he was going out and killing Christians. He, he wasn't a loving person. What changed in him? That's the love of God being displayed through him. That's what compels Paul. And, and honestly, that's kind of what we should be compelled by too, right? Um, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So here's what I notice about this passage as we look at it, and we're talking about proclaiming the gospel, is that Paul proclaims Jesus regardless of the consequences, right? So he, he knew he was telling others about something that was so important that it, it and it was it, that it didn't matter, right? It led to his imprisonment many times. He was beaten many times. There's there's a there's information on the, about that in the Bible, and eventually it led to his death. And I, I imagine that for Paul, this is he was so passionate about the gospel. It doesn't say this anywhere, but I imagine that even those who tortured Paul and eventually those who killed him, they also heard the gospel, right? He was praising and proclaiming Jesus' name, and at the same time telling them, "You too can be saved." I imagine there's some of them are actually in the kingdom right now and we're going to meet them someday. It's kind of cool when you think about it, right? And here's Paul. He's in prison. He's facing death when he wrote this letter. But even um, for that, he considered it joy and an opportunity to share the good news with other people. Ev, you know, So it didn't matter what the consequences were. Um, he, would, he would proclaim uh, Jesus. 
Um, and, and, and here, I'm going to ask a question. This is reflective. It's rhetorical. How much are we willing to suffer in order to tell others about the good news of Jesus, right? How much ridicule or shame or pain would be too much for us, would stop us, or even stops us right now, right? It's a question you can ask the Lord. Lord, what keeps me from, from telling others about you? So not only is Paul willing to preach in, um, it, regardless of the consequences, he, he takes advantage of every circumstance and situation to show the love of Jesus. Um, now, whether uh, Paul was, uh, wherever he was, he preached the gospel. If he, he was in prison, he was proclaiming Jesus and encouraging others to do the same. Um, uh, and he says in uh, chapter 1, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the progress of the gospel, right? People were hearing, he was preaching this to the jailers and to the other um, uh, prisoners and they were receiving Christ. And um, as well as the fact that the people in the city knew he was in jail because of the fact that he was proclaiming Jesus. And it was also giving courage to the other believers to say, well, Paul's still filled with joy and still able to do this, still preaching Christ. He hasn't been dismayed or discouraged by it. I too can have courage. And proclaim Jesus, right? So that's what he did. Um, and and we and you brought this up, Doug, earlier in Acts chapter 16. This happened before when they were actually in Philippi at one time, and this may have been when they initially established the church. Um, Silas and Peter get arrested because they deliver this girl from a spirit who would pro- she would prophesy over people, right? And they get arrested because their owners are really they're pissed off at Paul for doing this because they he's basically is taken away their their, their livelihood. They can't make money from her anymore, right? They were selling her prophesy, prophesying to other people and now they can't do it. So they, they, they take um, Paul into the center of the city and they make false accusations against him. A riot ensues and Paul is seen as the, uh, the person behind it and he gets arrested and thrown in jail, right? So what happens that that night, Paul and Silas, they're, they're, of course, they're sharing the gospel. Everybody had heard it. The, we find out later the, the jailer had heard it too. And, and they're praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them, right? And there was a violent earthquake. The foundation of the prison was shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came off. So God intervenes, right? This miraculous event happens. The jailer wakes up and when he sees the prison door opens, he throws, he drew a sword. He's about to kill himself because he knows I'm a dead man. If that's my job, if I let them out, I die. Um, And so he's about to kill himself. Maybe his family would have been killed too. But Paul shouts, don't harm yourself. We are here and shows mercy to this man, right? And the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell at Paul and Silas's feet and says, what must I do to be saved? And he becomes a believer and he brings Paul and Silas to his home and his whole household um, converts and becomes a member of the church. Um, it's amazing, right? When you think about it, this is what Paul, this is why Paul did it. He knew there every option, opportunity, every circumstance, regardless of the, of the consequence was an opportunity to bring glory to God and to see more people come to the kingdom. And this is why Paul is filled with joy, regardless of circumstance or situation, right? So here's another question for you. What circumstances or situation are you currently in that are difficult or maybe not good, but could be opportunities to tell others about Jesus? Are you facing hardship right now in something in your life? Are you in the middle of something difficult? Are you in a job you don't like, right? With people that drive you crazy. Um, Is this possibly an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with someone? 
And what's holding you back again becomes the question. Why, what's keeping you from seeing this opportunity and being filled with love like Paul was, even for those who didn't love him? It's amazing Paul loved the jailer who was abusing him, probably beat him, right, beforehand. And yet he shows him love and mercy and introduces him to Jesus, right? Um, and so what I, what I see for Paul is what matters most isn't the, the consequence or the circumstance. What matters is that the gospel is proclaimed, right? Above all else, he says, the gospel is proclaimed. Even motivation doesn't matter. Now, the, we know the right motivation to proclaim the good news is love, and love should be what compels us. But, I mean, I've known people to share Jesus for really bad reasons, and it still has impact. Um, some out of fear, some out of disappoint, not wanting to disappoint God, and some because they're worried about being punished, right? And and we we know that's true, right? And even me, I have to say, like I was in a class, an evangelism class in uh, in seminary, and and I was forced to go out two times a week and share my faith. It was required for my grade, so I shared my faith because I didn't want to fail this class. And I had amazing conversations with people, even though the motivation was wrong. And I'm sure that they were touched by and, and met God. I don't remember anyone receiving Christ during that time, but I did remember some powerful conversations with people. And I'd come back in the end and go, why can't I just do this without feeling like I have to or be forced to or worried about failing a class, right? Um, it doesn't really matter, he said in the end, as long as Christ is proclaimed, that's what's important. And in this case, it's unclear. I don't know the details behind it, but some people were trying to shame Paul keep him in prison longer. Being in prison was shameful for a Roman citizen. And uh, and they thought he was shamed. But Paul, Paul wasn't ashamed, right? Because it was for the gospel, right? Not ashamed of the gospel, he would say later on. And it was true about this as well. And regardless, what mattered for him is that the gospel was being proclaimed. Um, and, and here's, go to an application where we add in terms of time. Um, you know, what, what matters is that we, we too are called to proclaim Jesus um, and, but it's not easy, right? Circumstances and situations can be hard. And for us, we, I don't know that it's always, the, it's always the first thing we're passionate about and we want to share. I've known even at times like my passion for sharing Jesus has, has kind of been, it's up and it goes down. There's sometimes when I'm really excited and other times when I, I'm not. Um, but there's, there's great stories out there of people who have taken great risks regardless of the consequences in order to proclaim Jesus um, of course, I went to Voice of the Martyrs. They have great stories in there. But here's a story, not of people who martyred themselves, but were very close. So these are some missionaries that served in China for 10 years. Um, police came knocking on their, their door, uh, and they knew um, that their gospel service in China was over at that moment. The, the husband was interrogated by the police for an entire day before they let him go, and they told him he couldn't tell anyone, even his wife. Um, and the stress was so high not knowing when the authorities would demand another trip to the station, it left him barely able to function. Um, some days he wouldn't get, he couldn't get out of bed. He couldn't tell his wife what was happening. He was just overwhelmed. But they, 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 they came to this point where he said the, the police mockingly asked him why he would follow Jesus. They thought Jesus was selfish to ask his followers to give up family, jobs, money, and success just to end up being locked in a police station. Yet even as they questioned him, he felt guidance from the Holy Spirit and how to answer the questions and even tried to plant seeds of the gospel and tell them about Jesus. Right? Finally, they were set free 
and were allowed to return uh, to the U.S., but could never return to be with the people that they'd actually grown to deeply love. And in the end, this is the interesting thing, they were thankful for their persecution that they endured because of the fruit that it bore in their lives, in their family, um, and in others as well. And who knows, right? They have no idea what the impact it made on the jailers too. So, so here, are, here are three things that I learned from this passage in Paul. I'm going to go really quickly through this for our application. And, I, and this is why I started off with what I did. It's really easy for us to share about things we love right? It's really easy to share about things we love, whether it's mountain biking or mushrooms, right? Or gardening or, 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 or taking long walks or hikes, whatever it might be. It's easy. And, and also it's easy to share not only about things we love, but about things we know. And I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about ex- personal experience, right? I can tell you about my wife from our personal experience about my kids because I know them, relationally, right? And it's easier for me to share about them than it is for me to share about someone I don't know. Phoenix, I've seen you, but I don't really know you. It would be very hard for me to tell others about you. And it wouldn't make any sense either, right? So it's easy to share first. So it's easy first to share about, uh, and then here's the last thing I wanted to say. So easy to share about what we love, easy, easier to share about things we know, and easier to share with people we love, Right? So those, are all, those all really matter as you think about sharing the gospel. Um, I think about Paul as like, he's like the, he's like this, like the gold standard. He's way up there. I'm like, I don't know that I'm ever going to be as passionate as he is. I, I don't know what made him that way. And it might be things about our culture today that make it even more difficult to be that passionate about just one thing. We'll talk about more of, more of this when we hit chapter three. We talk about growing in love for God, right? But I, but I think about my love for biking and I, and there are times I think I, I wish I could talk about Jesus sometimes as much as and as easily as I talk about what it's like to bike. Um, I, I did I did write and here's a note I had because I, I was thinking about this. this well, I woke up in the middle of the night. This is what happens to me when I'm when I'm going to speak. Um, and I and I realized here's what came to me. It's the testimony of our stories of encountering God's love and the personal encounters people have that convinces them of their need for Him, not how well we tell the gospel message. Does that make sense? So it's the testimony of our stories of encounter with God's love and the personal encounters people have, others have, right, that convince other people of their need for Jesus. More than to the gospel message itself. The gospel message has to have context, and it has context in people's lives and in my life as well. So, so what's easier for me to share is what I, what I love about Jesus because I know it about him because I've experienced it personally, right? Those two things go together. So what I, what I can do, what, if I want to share, um, that's the second part. It's easier to share about what we know. If I want to share about Jesus, I can share the gospel, but I don't, it doesn't have to be overly complicated, right? I don't have to talk about Mosaic law or sacrifice, right? All I, I can talk about something simple like what Philippians chapter 2 says, and we'll look at that in a few weeks, but I can also talk about a healing I experienced or a way he's provided or how someone prayed over me and how it touched my heart, right? All of those things are personal encounters with Jesus. I can talk about an interaction that I had with Jesus or, or some way he helped me through a difficult situation or, or circumstance. Um, it's that relational connection. It's that story. And that's what people will hear. And that's what may draw them to him, right? As well as how I live my life and how I love them in return. Um, and 
so that's it. things for us to share. So here's some thoughts to think about as we're thinking about about sharing Jesus with others and the gospel. The gospel needs to be kind of fleshed out and lived out right in our lives. So what do you what do you love about God? Here's a question. What do you love about God? That's an easy. Is that an easy one? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not talking about this 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 knowledge about him that is disconnected from your life. What do you love about him? Connected with the second question, which is how have you experienced God? How has he met you? How has he how has he touched your life? How has he ministered to you? How has he answered prayers, provided, healed, spoken, right? Um and then the last question, again, it's it's easier it's easier to share um about some about something that we love it's easier to share about something someone we know right but it's also easier to share with those we we know and love right so here's another question whom has god placed in your life to share his love with is there someone in your life right now so here's what i'm going to do we're going to do this i'm going to try this with the students so i want to see how it goes with you um and we're a little bit over time but i'm i'm shooting for ending at quarter two okay so i want you to close your eyes do a little bit of an experiential thing with me, right? And I want you to imagine that you're walking down a path. It's a beautiful spring day like it is outside right now. And you're surrounded, you can be surrounded by trees, right? And, and plants and flowers, whatever you like. It could be through a garden or through the woods. And you're feeling the fresh air. You're breathing it in. You're feeling relaxed. You're by yourself or with someone you love, right? And you see someone sitting by a tree in the distance. And as you walk closer, you realize it's Jesus. There he is. Can you see him? He's looking at you. And he's inviting you. He's saying, come, come, come be with me. You see him and you begin to walk towards Jesus. Maybe you run to him. He's sitting by the tree. And when you, when you arrive there, you sit down by Jesus and you begin to talk. You begin a conversation. And he starts telling you about how much he loves you. What does he say? Just have a conversation with Jesus. What does he want to say to you today? You could even ask him, what do you have for me today? From this message, Jesus. I want you to ask him one more question. I want you to ask him, Jesus, have you placed someone in my life that you want me to share your love with? And see what he says. Yeah, Lord, thank you for being with us. Thank you for your love that you showed us. Um, by coming to earth and living 
as one of us dying in our place, providing a way that we could have a relationship with you and, and the Father, providing your Holy Spirit to help us to live. Thank you, too, for giving us this beautiful message that we can share with others. God, I pray for courage to share, regardless of the costs or the, the consequences or the circumstances. Um, help us, Jesus, um, in some ways to be more like Paul. In Jesus' name, amen.